As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. everybody, Tim Kawakami here at TK Show, and... And it, it's a co-episode with Here's the Catch, David Lombardi and Matt Barrows, so I guess we're going to talk some 49ers, Tim. <laughs> no, we're, we're going heavy warriors on this show. We're <laughs> warriors, warriors. Uh, no, this is great. Uh, the, the Kyle Shanahan just wrapped up the offseason a little unexpectedly, at least to me. Uh, so let's uh, let's just throw it around. Let's talk about it, you guys. I mean, you guys surprised at all that that Shanahan cut it off after what the second, no third week of OTAs, and they get a couple injuries, serious injuries, and then just wipes out minicamp, which is scheduled for next week. I was a little bit um, because uh, you know Shanahan's whole uh, mantra uh, in years past has been, "Well, we got we got shortchanged on this minicamp. We didn't have enough." <laughs> You know, reps this spring, especially for Jimmy Garoppolo, that's that's been one of his themes. Jimmy needs a full off season. He still hasn't gotten a full off season. As long as he's been in the league, there there are certain guys, Baker Mayfield, who have more experience than him. And all of a sudden, he's he's cutting short this uh, this off season for Jimmy, but also saying, "Wow, it, it was his best uh, OTA to date." And I don't I don't doubt that at all. It, it makes sense that it is. Uh, just given that he he has the most knowledge of the offense, but um, you would think that a team that um, is going to rely on rookies like it does, uh, a team that had a lot of young guys that didn't get a full off season, you'd be you'd be you know uh, scrapping for every practice that you can get, and that's usually how a coach feels. Um, obviously, the uh, the injury issues on Monday of this week kind of. Uh, added a sobering element to that and probably made him reevaluate things a little bit more. I think that's why they're keeping the rookies around, too. They're not practicing anymore, but when you make that big of an investment in somebody like Trey Lance, the immediate knee-jerk reaction was to think, oh, boy, they're going to rush to cram as much in as they can because they, you know, theoretically, when you spend that much on one player, you want them to be ready as soon as possible. So the rookies are still there. Um, they're just not on the practice field, but the, it, they still want to get all that playbook stuff in. And and I feel that you also saw it, uh, Tim. I know you you mentioned this in one of your pieces. The 49ers coaches working so ex- intensively with Lance, you saw them give him a heavy workload, almost to the detriment of, of Josh Rosen and Nate <laughs> Sudfeld. It was all Garoppolo and all Lance, and, and I think that made up for the fact that it was a shorter on field session. One thing Shanahan brought up in his uh, Zoom call was that they haven't had mini camps in the past. Now, 
I, I blanked out on that just because I guess I, I've been Warriors focused usually in June uh, at this point. Uh, not so much this time or last year, but when last year was COVID, has he? Is that historic that he hasn't had many camps? No, uh, he's had them. They, he's he's cut them short though. There's, there's always the uh, the carrot and stick type of thing where he likes to announce to the team that hey, we're cutting the last two days of the mini camp. But um, I don't remember. I mean, obviously last year there was no spring whatsoever, but I don't remember an entire mini camp being wiped out. They usually get one practice day in and then. They have what what they call team building exercise, which may be the the bowling trip, bowling, yeah, yeah, uh, or something like that. So um, no, is that what they that, did this year? Is that, did they go bowling this year? He, he said know, they he, would. He said no, they no. would, but it sounded like a lot of guys were getting out of dodge as soon yes, as he yes, yes. as soon as he said that uh, OTAs were were done and there there would be no mini camp. Another problem is the guys are getting hurt standing up from chairs. And yes, then you yes. you post out bowling and everybody freaks out. Oh no, they should go play bocce instead. <laughs> hey, if guys are getting her getting out of chairs, I think that even bocce is not not safe. So oh, it's God. it's a tough situation for the 49ers yeah. right yeah, now. We la- yeah, I shouldn't laugh just because it is a serious situation and it's very hard to like get your finger on you know. And, and I understand fans get upset. Like, what's going on? Do they need to train to change their training staff again? What are they doing? It is a sport where people get hurt and. I think what Shanahan was emphasizing is these guys got hurt in a way that you could not have predicted. You cannot say like they were running into each other at full speed. These are, I assume, non-contact injuries, at least most of them. You guys, I mean, Barros, what what can they do? What, I mean, are they taking it too lightly? Are they taking it just just exactly right? Or is this going to, you know, like, is this the sign that they're going to have another terrible injury season? Well, you know, in explaining to us that injuries happen, Shanahan just underscored just how freaky the 49ers injury situation has been over the years. I mean, he was ticking off all the guys that got hurt last year before training camp when there weren't any practices. And it's just one weirdo thing after another. And, you know, fans, the media, I'm sure the 49ers are doing their own internal studies to kind of figure out a rhyme or reason to it. And it's really hard to. I mean, people are asking, oh, is there something wrong with with the practice fields? I don't think so. I mean, those practice fields to me are really fantastic fields. I mean, they hold up all season. They look good. You know, some of the injuries have happened there. Jarek McKinnon's uh, a couple of years ago did these last two, but some happen at Levi Stadium. Some happen, as as Shanahan was noting, away from Levi Stadium in the off season when they're working at home. Some happen at MetLife. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to the types of injuries, to the positions that are getting injured, to the surfaces that they're playing on. It's happening to all of them. So the one common element is that the 49ers are bringing in guys who get injured. And I think that they've concluded that that is an issue. And you could see in this year's draft class and in in free agency that they've been targeting guys who do have good, solid injury history or lack thereof. Now, of course, you know, it's never foolproof. You can get the guy that never missed a game in college and in week one, he, uh, he tears an Achilles. So... That's that sort of thing has happened to this team, and you know sometimes it's the opposite. Jimmy Ward had a huge reputation for injuries. He was the poster boy for injured 49ers for a, a long stint there. He's been their Iron Man in, in the in the secondary the last year. So it's very very hard to to reach any uh, you know rock solid conclusions on this. Yeah, Jimmy Ward was four fractures in four years, and now he's played in 30 of the past 32 games. And, you know, the injury issue 
they they're the second most injured team in football by adjusted man games loss since that NFC title game at Seattle uh, in 2014, right? January 2014. So this goes back before Shanahan all the way to really the the, the Harbaugh era because Harbaugh's last year is 2014. And I think that's what makes it so confounding is that they've already fired a training staff. They've already replaced the whole thing in the 2019 season and were the results a little bit better that first year? Yes, but they still had a lot of injuries heading to the Super Bowl. They just uh, you know didn't come at the very worst spots. They didn't lose Jimmy Garoppolo. They didn't lose Nick Bosa. So they're still able to persevere with their depth uh, to that Super Bowl. But uh, you know, beyond that, I think that what Matt said about the players I think that that's where the one fixable kind of focus has been. And uh, that's the the most staggering number to me because this definitely wasn't a focus for the 49ers before this season. The draftees, all eight of them, they had 169 possible games to, to, to play in college over the past two years. They played in 164 of them, which is about 95%. And their two biggest outside free agent signings, Alex Mack and Sansom Ebucom, are both known for their durability. 64 and 90 consecutive starts, uh, respectively, between those two guys. So you could tell that it was a focus. And I think that's really the only stone that you could you know, turn at this point and, and expect tangible results because they've done everything else. They've literally replaced the whole training and medical staff already. Yeah. And you know what? I might point out that might be one of the factors that had them not bidding up for Julio Jones. Uh, you know, not an yeah. injury prone player throughout his career, but recently, absolutely, has played through a few things, you know, missed and you know, only played nine games last season. Incredible player, th- 32 years old. And that's what I, you know, I don't even know if I tweeted this. I thought this. I know fans would, would have not liked this, but I might do it anyway. When you're talking, when you complain about players getting injured, when you complain about a team that, that can't stay healthy, when you worry about getting, you know, important players hurt in the middle of the season, maybe you don't throw in an extra couple picks for Julio Jones. Am I crazy there? Do you think that was part of the factor, David? Yeah, it definitely was. It, it was the whole time, this Julio Jones thing, we, we knew that they wanted him, right? You knew that Kyle Shanahan loves Julio Jones. You could see how he'd fit in the offense. It would take pressure off Kittle and do great things. But at what cost? And the costs have risen considerably in the three years since Kyle Shanahan has said that you go and get Julio at all costs, right? And so now the prohibiting costs are his age, 32, obviously the draft capital, because then you can't, you know, go out and it's not just Julio Jones that could get hurt. Other guys could get hurt and then you don't have the draft picks to replace them. So uh, the cost was just a little bit too much. So they were interested, but I think that Kyle was ultimately really happy that he didn't go to another NFC West team. And I think the other NFC West teams feel the same. They're happy he didn't go to the 49ers. Were you pushing for Julio the whole time? No, I wasn't. Although, I mean, I just don't know what that uh, wide receiver room is going to look like. I mean, it's it's probably the best uh, competition just because there's so many, I don't want to say anonymous faces, but but little-known guys behind Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. I mean... Uh, it could be that Trent Sherfield, uh, a guy that most 49ers fans <laughs> don't know exists, um, is the is the number three receiver. I mean, we're talking him, we're talking Mohamed Sanu, we're talking Juwan Jennings, uh, Travis Jalen Benjamin. Jalen Hurd, uh, you know, would be the you know the the front runner, and, and that's the the 49ers pie in the sky scenario that that he comes out of training camp looking really good. And he's their their number three guy. That would be a a dream scenario because then you'd have something. You you would have um, a, a pass catching lineup that has Ayuk, 
Samuel Hurd and George Kittle. With you know Raheem Mostert in the backfield and Kyle Juszczyk lining up, you would have a lot of danger there for uh, defenses to worry about. You know, the problem is that Hurd barely makes it out of the the, uh, the, the the training camp, the preseason, each of the last two years, or, or didn't really. Uh, so uh, you just can't rely on him. And I think it's going to be a little bit frustrating for for fans because they want to read about Hurd. They want to read about uh, Nick Bosa and D Ford. And I could just see they're going to be eased in very, very gently into training camp. And people are going to be like, hey, how is, how is uh, D Ford looking out there? I'm like, well, you know, he did uh, – he did, uh, you know, five minutes of one-on-one stuff against Air uh, uh, in, in t- today's practice. There wasn't a lot to go on. I, I, I think that's going to be the case for a lot of these guys who are coming back from major injuries. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here's a question I haven't really heard answered. Is is it possible the third receiver? I mean, I give it, okay, Debo, and uh, you got hurt last season, could get hurt again. But is the third receiver that important? I know Bourne, you know, he what he's had five touchdown pass catches. So, I mean, he was valuable as a third receiver. I'm not saying he wasn't. But when you got Kittle, you're not taking off the field in passing downs. You got Juszczyk, who you like to have on the field, I think, as much as possible. What He's probably a 45 to 48% of the snaps guy. Is the third receiver that important, David? Uh, I think it's important on third down. That's where Bourne made so much of, 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 of his money. Down, yeah, yeah a lot, lot of first down catches, obviously, in the red zone. You, you know, it's, it's important because the one and two guys have been getting hurt, too. Um, that's born for the 49ers didn't miss a single game due to injury. There was one game that he was on the COVID list and nobody's really sure if he tested positive or not that that went back and forth before I believe that Green Bay game. And then you saw how much the 49ers missed him. I know Richie James stepped up in that game, but, but the, the offense just didn't have any stability as far as receiving targets. You just had that steady guy who, who you could kind of count on. And I think that's why, you know, Mohamed Sanu's in the building right now. That's why they're excited about him because if he could be healthy, um, he might not be the player that he was with Atlanta in 2016, but he is a guy that knows the playbook, is going to be in the right spots, is going to run the correct route, and will be that third down and that red zone outlet that takes the pressure off of, you know, Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. And, you know, just really keeps the line moving if there are injuries. And that's just something that you have to build into your plan if you're the 49ers. I don't think Shanahan plans on having many third and longs. <laughs> I think he wants to run the ball and, if anything, be third and one and power through it. You know, you need three receivers. I totally understand. And other guys get hurt. But I think he wants to run the ball this season a lot. Well, yeah, and that's where, where a Jalen Hurd could really come in yeah. handy. I mean, uh, you know, he's a, he's a big guy. He's going to plow through whoever the nickel cornerback is opposite him. 
Uh, we saw him just briefly in that in that Cowboys game uh, preseason in 2019, and he was bowling over Cowboys into the end zone, botting them. And that was just a passing game. I, I imagine what he'd be like uh, in, in a running situation. And just to answer your importance of the the third uh, wide receiver, I mean, look who the the quarterback is. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that likes to throw those quick, uh, short passes across the middle. Yep. Um, we saw that with Trent Taylor in, in uh, 2017 when Garoppolo first got here. Uh, David mentioned his rapport with, with Kendrick Bourne. That's the type of uh, uh, quarterback he is. And, you know, he comes from that Patriots system that was just deep with just a fantastic slot type of receivers. And the, the 49ers really haven't um, kind of uh, dressed him up with those sorts of things. They haven't had that number three guy. They certainly haven't had that that quick, slotty uh, type of guy that can get you that, uh, that, that third and three play whenever you need it. Um, and, I, and I think that's probably a complaint from Jimmy. He'd never uh, enunciate it. He'd never articulate it. But, um, you know, the, the, there, there haven't been an abundance of wide receivers since he's been here. They really haven't beyond... Kittle dressed him up with uh, a lot of uh, a lot of talent in the passing game, at least around him. They've had talent in the running game, for sure. Uh, but uh, beyond Ayuk and Debo Samuel, who were only together for just a couple of games last year, that's uh, th- th- there's not a lot there. It's not a deep, um, experienced receiving group. You say you had the Patriots system and they use those slot receivers. Well, gee, who's his, who's the team's receivers coach right now? I'm trying to think. Who who would that be who might be able to figure out how to get a third down, third uh, slot receiver in there? Yeah, Wes Welker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when they brought him in, there were still high hopes for Trent Taylor. And I think that's that's been one of the disappointments that uh, isn't as talked about over the past few years. Is Trent Taylor looks so good as a rookie when he paired up with Garoppolo in 2017, but then he was just never able to stay healthy. And I, I get it. We keep on pounding the, the, the injury drum here, but uh, you know, that has been a theme. And uh, ever since that Taylor experiment, you know, the one criticism of guys who are smaller like that is, can they stay healthy in the NFL? And then Taylor started dealing with back injuries and all this and all that. I, I think we also have seen a shift there that the 49ers have gone to more size at the slot. Yeah. Shanahan's gone to more of his Atlanta model of the big slot. Mohamed Sanu was the big slot in Atlanta. Jalen Hurd, Jawan Jennings, those are all guys that he's envisioning in that big slot role, which also helps this team be a better running team. That means they're a run first team because that third wide receiver big slot position is really counted on the block. I think this slides just a little bit. I mean, you mentioned Garoppolo. Uh, I was looking, you know, if we could get anything from OTAs and I thought minicamp was how they're positioning Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Gee, yeah, Trey Lance, he's on the team. Uh, heading into training camp because once training camp starts, it gets fast, right? It, the season is like comes up in, in a snap. I thought like if, if there's a shot for Lance to kind of, you know, really challenge Garoppolo, we're going to see some of it, at least evidence of it, you know, traces of it. Uh, in the in the off season, which now is is shortened, and we didn't see much of it. Uh, Barrows, you think there was any repositioning, or you think they're going in solid? Garoppolo one and Lance maybe even a distant two. Yeah, it seems really distinct. Um, you know, just just the reps that we saw 
Uh, it was Garoppolo and Lance, uh, as as David noted. We we barely saw <laughs> a, a, any other quarterback. And, and the funny thing was that they had five quarterbacks at one yep. point. So yep. it was really three of those guys were just standing around like reporters watching the whole thing. But um, it was Garoppolo and Lance, and Lance got a lot of reps, and and that was to to get the the offense under his belt so that he can spend these forty days or whatever number it is. Um, sort of digesting it and, and come into to training camp with as much as he can. But um, just what, what Shanahan said yesterday about Garoppolo, this being his best OTAs, how sharp he looked. How he did look good. He he looked. Did look from, yeah, he looked good. Yeah, he did. I mean, we saw two two practices, not a lot. But, boy, I mean, David, did we see an incompletion in the two that no. were open to – yeah, so Garoppolo was as good as he possibly could have been. And this is, by the way, without any of the, the, the great receivers uh, in that second OTA that we watched. So it seems like it's a pretty uh, distinct gap between the two. And it'd be extremely surprising if uh, if the rookie made up ground. Remember, there's only three preseason games this year. There's just not quite as many opportunities, I don't think. Uh, for him to do so. The question would be, what happens during the season? Uh, obviously, an injury would, uh, would would put Lance in the lineup. But if, if the 49ers go through, I mean, what, what would it take to get Lance in the lineup? Uh, would it take two rotten games from Jimmy Garoppolo? Would it take a four-game losing streak? Uh, do they have a losing record at the bye, which I think is what, week six this year? Um, so that's that. I think that's going to be the next real question because I think it's it's going to be pretty certain, uh, almost as certain as you can get that Jimmy Garoppolo is your week one guy. Yeah, let's put it this way: if if things proceed according to plan, uh, this is Trey Lance's backup year. Just just look at it from the zoomed out perspective. This is a guy who's playing FCS level football, and his last extended stretch of action was two years ago in 2019. I mean, we were talking about Trey Lance on our roundtable way back, I think it was in January, uh, as as a potential guy that the 49ers could target. And we were speaking of him as, you know, this is an intriguing, physically built prospect that could learn under Garoppolo that would take time to develop. And I think that people got really excited with the trade up to number three and then the drafting of Trey Lance. And they figured, oh, because they invested so much in him, he must su- somehow suddenly be more ready than... Uh, you know, we'd been talking about for months, but uh, I think the reality of the situation is that you don't expect the FCS 2019 season, you know, all of 2020 off, jump to the NFL starting level like that. I, I think it's just not realistic. So I think the 49ers, it was a long-term play for Lance. They want long-term transcendence at the quarterback position. And I think Kyle Shanahan feels that he can get it by uh, working Trey Lance into the mix gradually. And you know what, Tim? I think that we're going to see him in packages this year for sure yep. to get yep. him used to that game speed. I- and I would say Garoppolo is a huge part of this. Uh, he was a huge part of their decision, I think, to make the move for, for Lance uh, for a quarterback. And they chose to be Lance. And also because uh, they had some questions about him because his health, because he plays bad when he's not healthy. But by looking like he's looking, he's like if he's good, then he's going to be the starter, at least to start the season, because they know they can win with him. Uh, they made this deal understanding they could win with him and that they weren't going to throw him away because he's their best shot at winning the Super Bowl. Uh, and he's looked good, you know, and, and we'll see. Maybe he'll stop looking good. I'm, I'm really circling those 
joint practices against the against not the Rams, the Chargers. They would not be having joint practices against the Rams. Uh, joint practice against the Chargers before that exhibition game because we see so much in those. Those really tell a lot. They tend to go full speed or close to full speed. And man, if if Jimmy's playing well in that in that scrimmage and he plays well in preseason, I don't think there's a chance that Lance is starting in Week One. Um, and and I think Garoppolo is a, is a big reason. Like if he was not healthy or just unsure of himself, and we and we could see it. Obviously, the coaches would see a lot more. Then I think Lance would have a real shot at this. You know, it would be it would be a challenge. It would be a competition. But if Jimmy's feeling calm, and you know, and partly it's like that was. Like I know, you know, we've talked to people who said like Jimmy's gonna get feel the competition here. He's gonna, you know, like let's let's go. You know, he's not gonna shy away from it. And and that's everything we've heard from him. I I do think that he's lifted up his game a little bit. Um, just looking at him. And again, he could get a nick or two, and we've seen him not play well when he gets a nick or two. But right now, he looks he looks damn good. Um, and hey, do you guys think that this is a Super Bowl level team with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback? Yeah. I mean, uh, he's he's proven it. This is this is odd year Jimmy. <laughs> Remember, odd, odd odd year Jimmy is is on fire. That, that guy barely ever loses. Uh, so um, you're right. He's he's absolutely motivated. Um, you know, uh, Shanahan says he, he looks physically better than he has in a while. And and I don't know whether he was talking about you know the way he looked last year when he was dealing with the uh the high ankle sprains but you know uh, Garoppolo obviously is is doing something different has done something different training wise um he's 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 upset i mean he's he's not going to show it in interviews with us but he has to be uh he has to be pissed off that um his name basically has been dragged through the pricker bushes these last two off seasons um, uh, the what? Of, the what? Picker bushes. You guys don't say picker bushes. Pick it. <laughs> I don't even know what those are. Is that it a East Coast terrible. term? Yeah, I know it sounds briar, terrible. Briar patch. Okay. <laughs> that's what you call it out here. That's my, that's, that's my southern roots. Uh, I guess. Virginia. My goodness. Um, but my point is, is that uh, his his name has been ill used, uh, shall we say? Uh, and the 49ers have looked at every quarterback under the sun. Uh, the last uh, the last year and a half. So he's got a lot to prove. He's motivated. You see that in in his demeanor and the way he's playing. Um, you know, you're right. He he just has to stay healthy. And uh, something we've been talking about: the guys around him have to stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, the the receiving group has to stay healthy because if you the left ta- left tackle has to stay. Yeah, healthy. the left tackle. I mean, if if you're going into a game with with Trent Sherfield and Travis Benjamin as your starters at wide receiver, I I don't know if, if Tom Brady or Drew Brees or any elite quarterback is really going to to flourish. Uh, and so luck is going to play a, a big role in this as well. Who'd they go into Week One with uh, last year at receiver? Dante Pettis and uh, who was the second one? Because they didn't have Debo or Ayuk in Week One. Against That's the right. Cardinals, that that was ugly. I think, I think Bourne, Bourne might have started. It was Bourne starting? Bourne, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, Garoppolo missed Bourne late in that game. He and then, he then Kittle him. got hurt at halftime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that wasn't good. But you, you know, with the 49ers and Super Bowl contention, I, I I I really do like the work and the investment they they put into their offensive line this off season, and I think that can have a domino effect on um, Garoppolo's health too. Obviously, I mean he got hurt last year initially when. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson got beat at left guard by Quinn and Williams. So obviously Tomlinson's still there. I actually don't think he's one of the problematic pieces of the line, but there there were huge problems at center 
and right guard last season. And I thought those problems even extended to right tackle in certain pass protection situations with Mike McGlinchey. Uh, obviously, there's a lot to like about McGlinchey, and I think there's going to be a lot more to like if he has solid and consistent right guard play next to him and solid and consistent center play. And, uh, you know, you have to be excited that they that they got Alex Mack, and um, they invested a ton, more than Shanahan has ever invested in a guard in Aaron Banks. And with Aaron Banks at right guard now, you have size, you have quickness. I'm not saying he's going to pan out, but if he does pan out, that really benefits the 49ers downstream because it allows Daniel Brunskill to move back into that utility offensive line role because you know there are going to be injuries again. And that utility role is really what saved the 49ers skins in 2019. That was a huge underrated aspect of their Super Bowl run. I firmly stand by my statement that you need to have seven quality offensive linemen to make a really deep run, especially with a 17-game schedule. And uh, I, I think the 49ers have at least six right now. And you know, if a Jalen Moore or Colton McKivitz really steps up this season, they'll have their seven, and that's really good news for Jimmy Garoppolo. Is Banks starting right guard? Is that is that I, I mean, if if he's not, I think the 49ers wasted that draft pick. So I, w w he's the heavy favorite to be the starter at right guard. If, if he's not, then but you have to question that, that, that second round pick on a guard. Heavy favorite being the operative word there. He's, he's <laughs> a lot bigger than uh, the guards and offensive linemen that this team has had. He was 330 at the Senior Bowl. I've been watching him the last uh, two practices that we have. He's not 330 anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm really curious what he is now. I would say he's under 320. Uh, so he's he's obviously slimming down so that he can handle that um, outside zone blocking. You know, you have to be on the hoof so much in this offense, uh, and and I think he's adjusting accordingly. Yeah, I, I agree with David. It would be a real upset uh, if he's not the the starting right guard uh, really in week one, or, or certainly by the bye. Going to go the Notre Dame right side of the line. Oh, they're, they're well, we, we know one guy who's happy about that. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, know actually, I know a few, but we know very specifically one person. Uh, okay, let's just play a little game here. Um, other than the quarterbacks, we don't even know that situation. And maybe let's just take Kittle off the off the board here. Who would you say is the most important 49er to be good this season? Uh, that would really set them on a path towards like a big playoff run. Who's the most important player who needs to like be at a high, high level this season? I say it's Nick Bosa. Yeah, I mean I agree. they they, uh, they put so much emphasis on their pass rush, especially the edge rush, and um, you know they they brought in Samson Ebucom in free agency. That was a nice move, but that was it really. Mm -hmm. at, at at this very very important position defensive Which they've end. invested yeah they they've invested a lot except for last year they keep exactly investing yeah, yeah, they've yeah. invested so much in it and and two of the, their two best players um, were absent for most of the OTAs didn't play but one game last year uh, Bosa and, and D Ford so there's a lot of murkiness question marks about this so important position. Uh, and, and they are encouraged by Bosa's progress, and they do think that he's going to be 100%. But, man, I mean, the, the, the history of ACLs in this team should be such <laughs> that you, you, you don't uh, take that leap of faith. I mean, um, you know, this was not a run-of-the-mill ACL. It wasn't, the, the, you know, just the single tendon or uh, ligament that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo had that uh, – uh, Quan Alexander had, which you know, those those guys recovered beautifully from their their ACLs. This was ACL plus, so something else damaged in there, which means that it's a um, a longer comeback, and and there's more 
chance for it uh, not coming back at all. Now, nobody thinks that's happening. He's been ahead of schedule every step of the way. But again, it's 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 not quite quite a uh, you know lock solid uh, that uh, he's he's going to be back to his 2019 form. Yeah, I think they're putting some faith in their th- belief that Nick Bosa has that special gene, right? You know, the the very top players somehow, some way, always seem to come back uh, more effectively from some of these really serious injuries. Is that a big gamble? Uh, yes, I, I would say it is, but I, I do think that they have that level of belief in Nick Bosa, and so far the recovery timeline has has really confirmed that. You know what else is interesting to me? I was going to say Nick Bosa as well is that they actually have invested in the interior defensive line this offseason. They they might have felt a little thin last year without DeForest Buckner. Javon Kinlaw obviously had some issues, but you know some sneaky uh, solid pickups I thought were Zach Kerr, who was really good at, at nose tackle for the, the the Panthers last year, and Maurice Hurst, who uh, was a plus player. I thought I watched him a lot with the Raiders, and they have him there now along with Kevin Givens and Kinlaw. So that that interior defensive line, plus obviously the surprise re-signing of, of DJ Jones, that they didn't think they'd have enough money for. That's that that might be the the portion of the the line that they rely on early in the season with so many question marks at the edges, which is really the opposite of 2019, right? Or the start of 2020 when they had both Bosa and D Ford. But now, you know, D Ford's a question mark. Arden Key, who they picked up from the Raiders, he's a question mark. I mean, he wasn't good with the Raiders. You just hope they could get something out of him with Chris Kacerak. Uh, you know, Sansom Ebucom, yeah, he was good in a situational role with the Rams, but this is going to be a big step up for him. And then we have Nick Bosa trying to come back from that ACL. So, you know, they're, they're going to hope to go like two for five out of all those question marks. And I think that'd be enough they go two for five but if they go one for five or zero for five they're probably in trouble and that's why that interior you know that they've loaded up on is going to have a lot of pressure on its shoulders yeah i i agree with you guys i mean boza was one of the best players in football two years ago by the way also on an odd year kind of path here right because <laughs> he yeah he the 19 was incredible 20 injury and 18 he basically didn't play for iowa state so uh at least Garoppolo and Bosa are, are in sync on these odd year things. Uh, although they probably will not love me saying that. Uh, but, but I was going to, I was going to throw out Kinlaw as one, you know, one possibility and he's not going to be DeForest Buckner, but you know, I think we all saw him make some plays last season and maybe get a little better and better at, as the season went on. He's still a young player, obviously a massive, massive player and, and has a lot of talent. I don't think he's ever going to be the pass rusher that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we know he's not going to be the pass rusher that Buckner is, but could be a real important player. I always say Trent Williams just because <laughs> there was no, literally no way for them to replace him. They cannot replace him with any, at any level. It's just like they couldn't have replaced Joe Staley with anybody but Trent Williams. Uh, but I'm also going to say Brandon Ayuk. Um, you know, I, I don't think Shanahan likes the idea of uh, a number one receiver. I think he also would mention Debo. He would mention Kittle. He would mention running the ball. And I've said that I think they're going to want to run the ball. And, I, you know, I think any Shanahan team wants to run the ball. But they kind of need a guy to, who gets the 20-yard catch, right? I mean, who, who I don't know what Ayuk's going to outrun cornerbacks, but just be a guy that they fear who isn't – a five-yard catch or a behind-the-line-of-scrimmage, you know, catch guy. And he has been that too. But someone who, like, gets downfield, someone who, you know, Jimmy has to, st- you know, stick his foot in the ground and throw a laser to downfield. Emmanuel Sanders was kind of that, you know, mostly was that, sometimes wasn't that. I think they've been missing that. And I, I mean, you spend a first-round pick 
on Ayuk. We've seen the talent there. We've seen him get downfield at times. I think that would be a guy. And especially, I think, if you're looking towards the Trey Lance era, whenever that begins, I think a big reason why they made that move was to get somebody to throw it outside the numbers. And as Barrows mentioned, that Jimmy is an inside-the-numbers passer, at least certainly has been, and get it downfield. Get it, you know, MIG cornerbacks have to turn their hips and run like hell to chase somebody. And Ayuk's not a burner, but I think the 49ers are going to want to see him make some of those plays to get them. You know, is he going to be a Justin Jefferson? Is he going to be one of those guys? I don't know, but I think maybe a little more of that or a lot more of that this season would go a long way to say, okay, that's going to be Trey Lance's guy in the future. They don't have to spend any more capital to get a number one receiver. I think Ayuk has the talent for that. So I would say Ayuk, just other than Bosa, because we know how important, how great Bosa can be. Yeah, that uh, that's a good call. I mean, I, I think that marriage that they're envisioning between Ayuk and Trey Lance is, is going to be a really good one. And, and you're right. I mean, um, Ayuk had a, a terrific season last year. He got muted by the fact that the 49ers were just so bad. Um, but imagine if he had played in that game against Green Bay, the, the big Richie James game. Mm-hmm. Richie James, I forget what the total was, like 180 yards. Or <laughs> was it, it, it was yeah. massive. Yeah. Um, but uh, Ayuk, all apologies to Richie James, is the more talented, the more explosive players. If he had had those those same opportunities, he would have gone ballistic and, and he would have gotten a lot, a lot of attention. Um, and, and like I said, he had a, a very, very good, strong rookie season on a bad team in which, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo played six games basically and they had all sorts of issues. So some stability at that position is going to, you know, turn him, I don't want to say into a superstar, but uh, he has the potential to be, you're, you're absolutely right, he has the potential to be one of the most special players on this team. We saw it with the hurdle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the guy can run with a ball, no question. I mean, he can run with a ball. And can they get it to him downfield and make and have him running with the ball thirty yards downfield, forty yards downfield? I, I think would be a, would be a very very large thing. And you know, I just don't you know they're going to have to spend their and you know, they don't have their first round picks the next two seasons, so they're not going to get someone like that like that way. And, and they can't invest in. You know, they're going to have other positions they're going to invest in. I think they're going to need to draft a cornerback at some point, uh, which does lead me, David. You wrote a piece about what. Is there are there any more signings out there? Are they done? And I think generally what I was reading, they probably are done for now. But is Richard Sherman at all at all a possibility? You know, just you always need cornerbacks. You always need a veteran cornerback. Is this roster still set up to be able to maybe take a Richard Sherman? Is is the salary cap set up for them to be able to take a Richard Sherman at, the, at you know right on the eve of training camp? Yeah, yeah. So that there are. You know, two parts of this argument. One is, it, does he schematically fit? I actually think he schematically fits a lot better than a lot of people do. A lot of people say that there's no way he could play press man. I, I actually think that technique-wise, Richard Sherman could still contribute. And also, uh, he'd be great for the three defensive backs that they drafted this year because we saw how how well he worked in the locker room over the past three seasons. But uh, it, it really is an issue financially. You know, the 49ers, I think, we're only going to make, and, and I'm not saying that Sherman would be as expensive as Julio Jones, but but the only really big 
uh, addition that the 49ers, I, I could see them in some world making, would have been Julio Jones because it's Julio, because we know that Kyle had previously said he would do anything to get Julio. Obviously, that wasn't the case anymore. But, you know, for these other guys like Zach Ertz or, um, you know, Jamison Crowder, players that would be more expensive than a veteran salary exception, it, it's just it's just too tight right now, I think, for the 49ers. Now, um, if you do get to training camp and Richard Sherman is still out there and somebody goes down in the 49ers secondary, uh, do you make the move? I think, you know, maybe then there's a more defined kind of acceptable way to make that move. And you still probably have to restructure somebody because I think the issue right now is that Richard Sherman finds himself in between a rock and a hard place. And so the 49ers in terms of a potential re-signing here. Sherman is, is you know, still a superstar in stature. But he's obviously not going to get superstar money, right? He's at the tail end of his career, but he's still going to be wanting more money and I think still worth more than one of these veteran salary exception guys at the minimum end of the deal. And it's the the players in the middle that are stuck in between those two price points that get squeezed the most, especially if they're older, um, in a cap crunch kind of year, right? And you see the example with Sherman potentially going to the 49ers. They just don't have the money. Uh, you know, all the calculations on a 53-man cap right now, 49ers only have like $4 million. And you want at least five to enter the season. And they haven't even extended uh, Fred Warner. So it just doesn't make sense right now. It might make sense if something happens in training camp and they do have to start, you know, shuffling around the deck chairs. But uh, it, it just is a financial reality of where Richard Sherman and where the 49ers are in this cap crunch year. Paris, you think they need another cornerback? Well, I mean, let's just run a hypothetical. What if one of these big injuries that we just saw happen happened to either Emmanuel Mosley or Jason Barrett, which is not out of the, the realm of possibility? I mean, I, I think that they'd be almost compelled it's not Richard Sherman. It's got to be some other veteran cornerback at that point. I think the the long term plan obviously is that these these young guys, uh, Diamador Lenore and Ambry Thomas and uh, Talanoa Hufanga, take over and, and become big pieces of the defense. But not this year. I mean, this is the transition year. So if something happened in the spring, like I said, I, I feel like they'd almost be compelled. Something happened early in training camp. The same thing as you start to get into the season and something happens. Well, maybe, um, you know, the, the Ambry Thomas has, has kind of proven himself. Um, I, I throw Tim Harris into that, that mix of young guys, too. They're, they're hoping that one of those young guys kind of steps forward and, and reassures them. It's too early for that to have happened uh, right now. But, um, you know, into September... Uh, maybe they'll be more kind of assuaged that they've got some good young talent there. All right. Well, I think we can wrap this. Any guys, anything else you want to add to this this rare first time ever combo podcast? We got to do it again. This was great. Dude, I had fun. This is this like Run, Run DMC and Aerosmith getting together <laughs> on stage. Uh, yeah, with prick, prick, pricker bushes. What was that again? You guys Christopher? have never heard of pricker bushes? <laughs> I have, I've never. never heard that phrase in my life. You know what thorn bushes? Yes, yes. Yeah. It's the same thing. Uh, it, it's a same thing with a bizarro name that Barrows, I think, just made up. <laughs> made up to, to Look it up. Hey, Google it. pricker bush. You'll, you'll see lots of images. You're trying to sneak in bad words on this podcast without us knowing. David and I are united in saying that's that's a made-up word. I don't think I'm going to hear it ever again. No, no, I'm sure. It was only on the show. (laughs) Unless unless the Barrows decides to bring it out again. All right, I'll wrap it up for this for things on TK Show, guys. You wrap it up on the other show. Yeah, here's the catch is signing off as well. All right, thanks. See you guys.